The hour is late, and the moon is leering. If you feel as though you're being watched, you're right. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria. Starring Bess Lawson as Gilly O'Hare. Megan Stressman as Rusty Rattlesnake. Philip Stressman as Florence Beauregard. And James Kettler as every other person, living or dead. We open above Hollywood, California. The sky is split between shades of deep navy blue and a beautiful bright pink as the sun has just begun to completely disappear on the horizon. Our camera zooms down into the city, bustling with activity. We see old timey cars zooming by with their headlights on, on the roads growing dark and our camera continues to zoom around the streets of Hollywood until the camera finally comes to a stop in a darkened back alley somewhere deep in the heart of the city where two figures silhouetted against the street lights approach each other. What is this darkened alley? I thought when I said I wanted to meet, I meant like at a bar. Well, you said you had important information. Okay. So like, well, here's some important information. I don't want to be in this creepy alley. Let's go get a drink somewhere. Well, no, we we can't be we can't be around other people. This is a private. This is an important private conversation, pr- free from prying eyes. I passed a place on the way here called Jerry's. What do you think Jerry's up to? <sighs> I hope it's uh, serving me whiskey. Okay, fine. Let's go get a drink. Yes. And as these two figures step out of the darkened alley and into the illuminated street, we see the bespectacled face of phantasmagoric Florence Beauregard. And with her, standing several feet above her in her trademark tan trench coat with that collar turned all the way up, is one Ethan D. Vashcock. We stay behind them as they move into Jerry's. So how'd you get you? you? You drive, take a cab? I walked. You walked? Yeah, I like to walk. You wanna buy a horse? Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually. Uh, yeah, we can, after the important business, we'll talk that. Okay. I got a horse that I absolutely cannot keep. <laughs> <laughs> Flo, you and Ethan enter Jerry's. Uh, the sign outside says Jerry's Bar, like in beautiful, like red calligraphy, and then in just black paint, crudely written after the word bar is Burr. Oh. <laughs> beautiful. Okay. Yeah. 
That's uh-huh. funny. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, you walk in to see what is very obviously uh, a bar. They have a whole bar top set up. There's no alcohol bottles on display, but there's a bar top set up and a dude in a 1920s bartender costume standing behind the bar and a whole bunch of people sitting around tables, but all of these people are just wearing capes, um, <laughs> like barber table. capes. Yeah, and there's a barber pole in the corner. <laughs> the bartender pouring all the drinks with blue liquid out of a graduated cylinder full of scissors. <laughs> no, he just sticks a comb in the drink, <laughs> in Bar- each drink as he hands it to people. That's really cute. Barber yeah, side yeah. beer. And uh, the two of you walk in and uh, he says, uh, well, hello there, ladies. What can we do to your hair today? And gives you like the most heavy-handed wink imaginable. Ah, yeah, I got you. My hair likes whiskey. We'll be at this table over here. <laughs> One die job coming up. <laughs> so, what's up? I got your message. What do you got for me? First of all, I want to apologize formally for how I behaved towards you uh-huh. uh, during our encounter in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. I thought you were grave robber or some sort of other, de- uh, you know, delinquent. And so that was maybe the root of some of the hostility that you maybe picked up on from me uh, during that interaction. Sure. Now, I want to apologize for that. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, you had something where you liked ghouls or you were interested in ghouls. I, Zepp and I are both paranormal investigators. Zepp and I. I don't. I don't. <laughs> My favorite astrological <laughs> sign. <laughs> I don't like ghouls. I just... I want to prove that they exist, you oh. know? These monsters being out there, all of these horrible creatures, ghouls, vampires. Oh, yeah. Uh, they suck. <laughs> they didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I met some of those the other day. They're terrible. We, you met vampires? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you, what, do you have any, like, did you capture one? Did you, do you, do you have I any? I didn't. Someone did. Did you get away with any like physical evidence? Anything that could that could prove that they existed and were vampires? Uh, let me get back to you in two days. Okay. And she <laughs> takes out a notepad and starts writing all of this down. So, so you get it. Like these things being out there, they're horribly dangerous, and I just wanna, I just wanna enlighten the world to their existence so that people can protect themselves. We can fight back. And also, you know, be known as the person who brought the world's attention to the existence of horrible monsters. Yeah, I bet you do. How many monsters have you proven exist thus far? None, mm. but I'm getting there, okay? It's just, they, they all move so freaking fast. It's so hard to get a photograph that isn't blurry. Yeah, they're quick. Yeah, and I mean, cameras right now, you it take, you know. <laughs> yeah, it takes forever. To, I, and that's how, yeah, how I know how cameras are and will always be. It's very slow. That's why you can't get a photo of vampires. It's not because they can't show up on film. It's just because they're always moving out of the way before they can get developed. All right. But yeah, so I really want, if you have like hard proof of either of those monsters existing, that would be great for me. Thank you. Well, I happen to know a ghoul. You, you know a ghoul. Yeah. It's more of a, I wouldn't call him a, more of a workplace acquaintance. Uh-huh. But remember when we met at that graveyard? Yeah. You know how people were stealing dead bodies from that graveyard, and y'all were like, the ghoul did it. Uh huh. It was this guy. Okay. <laughs> and. She's just scrawling like furiously in her little notepad. I feel like our interests are aligned on this one to a certain extent because you want to be 
the person who proved ghouls is real. You want to be Ethan, uh, I want to say Dick Sash. Vashcock. That's, I was really close. <laughs> Ethan Vashcock, discoverer of ghouls, advocate for all mankind, is what the... Her posture like straightens up and she looks meaningfully upwards. Opening for phantasmagoric Florence Bo- you, some, We'll whoa, talk whoa, about whoa, the rest later. Minute, whoa, whoa, we whoa. have to figure that out right now. But... Uh, <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. The movie company that I currently work for, Maya's Brothers Studios, mm-hmm. is seemingly deliberately employing, definitely feeding, possibly creating ghouls. Okay. And I would like a lot of money from them. Uh huh. I think I see where this is going. Well, okay, you finish my thought then. You want my help capturing this ghoul so that you can blackmail the movie studio? Is that where your head's at? Bingo bongo. Okay. And then you get to prove it that it is, that the ghoul is real. I want to thank you, Florence, for for, uh, calling me with this information. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I don't condone extortion, I think you're right that our interests are aligned right now. And I suppose some rich, powerful movie studio losing a few bucks on the side is a small, literal price to pay for the enlightenment of all mankind. That's what I was thinking. How can I help? Have you ever been to a seance? And we cut out of Jerry's bar, Burr, and through the air, out of the busy parts of town, and down into the dirt-paved, manure-smelling area of Hollywood known as Cowboy Town. It is now the dead of night. The city is sleeping, as is one Mr. Russell Rattlesnake. Our camera finds Rusty's humble abode in Cowboy Town and zooms in through his bedroom window to find Rusty tossing and turning in a fitful night of sleep. Rusty, you find yourself on the set of A Perilous Evening at Dreadnight Manor. There's an otherworldly golden light tinting everything, like, like somebody rubbed Vaseline on the camera lens. You know, everything's glowing. We, the audience, do not get a great sense of, like, there's no real audible sound going on. It's just kind of these flashes of, like, Gilly and Flo and you laughing and having a good time and uh, Cliff patting Gilly on the back and Landon, like, giving y'all a thumbs up and giving you a round of applause. It's just, it's just like, the most perfect day on set that you've never had but you're dreaming about. (laughs) Exactly. And then you hear as this slow motion inaudible celebration is going on, a voice say, Rusty. The gold light leaves the room. It's now cast in a cold, cruel, pale shade of blue as everyone around you is frozen. You look around for a moment, back and forth. Then you look at your friends, Gilly and Flo. While they're both frozen, They both seem to be staring back at you, directly at you. And then slowly, from their eyes, from their noses, from their ears, crimson, 
red blood begins to pour down both of their bodies, pooling on the floor. And you hear that whisper in your head saying your name over and over and over again. Rusty. 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 Until it grows into a cacophony so loud that you can't even understand it anymore. And then you snap awake. Yeet! Oh my god. <laughs> Rusty's gonna like. <laughs> Rusty's gonna wipe the sweat off his forehead and like pat his body and like look next to him. And then he notices he has, you'll see like next to his bed. There's just a bunch of empty, like, whiskey bottles because he's been trying to, like, curve his cravings for blood with <laughs> drinking whiskey. But it also helps him, like, not think about the fact that he could be a vampire and eat all his friends. So you just, he's been dr- drinking a little bit. So, Gilly, we see Gilly hiding in a bush outside of Rusty's house, peeking in through a window um, with her hands around her eyeballs, like, binoculars, peering through, um... Rusty's window. Gilly, you see through the window, Rusty just snap up in his bed, breathing heavy. Gilly's going to tap on the window. Ah! Uh, Rusty grabs his uh, Tommy gun and heads over to the window and points the gun at the window and squints his eyes. Gilly? Yeah. What incarnation are you doing at my house in the middle of the night. How'd you even know where I lived? You could just say thank you. I'm just checking on you. Uh, th- thank you? Why are you checking on me? In case you eat somebody. <laughs> I don't even... I, I don't even think about that. <laughs> um, if you look... <laughs> if you'd like to direct your attention to your bed, there's a sweat stain the size of your body on it. Uh... Mm, I, I peed the bed. I, I wasn't sweating because of nightmares of, of eating my friends and draining all their blood or anything. Ew. <laughs> Gilly, can I do this? Can I, can I just, you know, not turn into a vampire? Can I, can I just remain human? Yeah, you just can't eat anybody for two more days. Didn't you hear the rules? It's not as easy as you think. As you say that, your eyes kind of drift from eye contact with Gilly down to her jugular vein in her throat. Uh, and you hear, like, at first you th- it sounds like just a dull thumping, and then you realize that you can kind of, like, just a teeny bit, hear her heartbeat from where you're standing. Rusty, like, shakes his head, just, like, not listen to her... Um pulse anymore. Hey there, buddy. Eyes up here. I'm good. I'm good. And take... <laughs> Rusty takes a swig from his whiskey. You want any? No, I don't think it would be good if both of us were inebriated. I don't even know if it's a good idea for you to be... Be alive? Or do you mean be drunk? <laughs> be <Okay>. drunk. <laughs> You're like... I think it's a good idea for you to be... <laughs> Are you you should kill- not be. Yeah, I was like, are you here to kill me? <laughs> well, 
Okay. Well, I think maybe could you just like sit outside my window while I sleep all night? Yeah. Or you can sleep in the living room. Yeah. Okay. All right, do that. I'll make you up a bed. Okay, can I come through the front door? I've climbed through enough windows this week. <laughs> yeah, I'll meet you at the front door. You know that you let me Okay, what weapons do you have in here and where are they located? Excuse me? You cannot have access to any of these while I'm sleeping in your home. Okay, that's fire. Um, Tommy gun? Here. Yep. Uh, lasso. Oh, my lasso. Yep. Fine. And then like, Rusty takes the lasso out from underneath his cowboy hat that he sleeps with on at night. So. Hat too. Oh, hat? That's not a weapon. <laughs> that one's just for fun. I've always wanted to see what I look like as a cowboy. All right, fine. Here's my hat. Gilly puts it on and twirls the lasso around. <laughs> no. No, don't rub it in. Okay, sorry. Listen, maybe you should like lock me in here or something. So just to make sure, you know, I don't come and eat you in the middle of the night or anything. So here's a lock. I bought this just in case it would come to this. And Rusty hands over a padlock and key to Gilly. Luckily, I have a lot of experience with these. All right, Gilly, can I get you anything before you go to bed? No. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to drink myself to bed, and I'll see you in the morning for work. Yep. All right. Thanks for checking on me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I thought you would. All right, Gilly. Lock me in. Rusty, uh, you get through the rest of the night with not a good rest, but a rest absent dreams until you are awoken by the sunlight peeking into your bedroom window the next morning. Gilly's falling asleep wearing the cowboy hat. <laughs> uh, whenever you're ready, I think I'm ready to come out. Okay, I'll let you know. Oh, oh, you'll let. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just gonna sit over here and twiddle my fucking thumbs. <laughs> Gilly can hear him complaining and gets up and. Stomps over to the door and unlocks it. Oh, thank you. Are you ready for work? Work like the job yeah, that I had that I apparently don't have. Or work like our plan. Well, I still have a job. Way to rub it in. <laughs> well, we got to go figure out what we're doing with the seance with Flo and Landon. Myers Brothers, Cliff, Inga. Can I drive? <sighs> Fine. Here are the keys. Shotgun. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm driving. <laughs> and we cut to Rusty's bright yellow Stutz Series 695 
shakily peeling out from his driveway. That's a car sound. And we get a screen wipe to the Stutz shakily pulling into the parking lot of the movie studio and Gilly awkwardly slamming on the brakes a couple of times before the car comes to a complete stop. And you are surprised to see in the parking lot Rudolph Myers Brothers' signature black sedan. Gilly, I want to slash that man's tires. Do it. Should I? I said do it. All right. (laughs) I was a little dishonest with you. I have one weapon that I didn't give you, and I'm sorry. It was a knife, but it's in my shoe, and I'm going to stab this man's car with it right now. So you decided that if you you became a vampire enough to want to kill me, the way that I would go is by a knife? No, 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 no. That sounds like what you're telling me. Oh, my God. Listen, I need to act fast. We can talk later. (laughs) And Rusty just, Rusty opens up the car door, takes the knife out of his boot, and starts somersaulting like really, really, really fast, like a tumbleweed, towards the car <laughs> and just stabs the Nature's back. Nature's fastest somersaulters. <laughs> Rusty's going to stab the one of the back tires and then somersault twice forward and stab the front one. Yeah, we get, a, we get like two <laughs> different versions of this thing cutting back and forth where like from Rusty's perspective, we get the like fast, like, close-up cuts of Rusty, like, zooming around to, like, action music and then cutting back to Gilly's perspective where Rusty is just making that music with his mouth and just rolling all over the ground that he doesn't need to be doing, because the parking lot is wide open. (laughs) You're not rolling, like, in between (laughs) obstacles to stay stealthy. You're just rolling around on the ground, but you do manage to jam your knife into the two car tires, which hiss like a sad, sad snake. Uh, (laughs) as they slowly let out their air and the car sinks a couple of inches closer to the ground. As you get up close to the vehicle also... Oh, no. Stay in the car. (laughs) I didn't even check. (laughs) You realize that it is empty. Uh Neither Rudolph Meyer Brothers or Cliff Brockton are currently inside. (sighs) And then backwards, somersault, somersault, (laughs) and then somersaulting backwards... (laughs) Um, and then rolls back into the car and shuts the door. Uh, they weren't in the car. I guess I should have checked before, but the rage <laughs> was blinding, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Gilly's been trying not to laugh this whole time. Um, can we park the car somewhere else so they don't see it when they come out? Oh, boy, can we. <laughs> Gilly. You park the Stutz on the far side of the parking lot, and you and Rusty exit the car and begin to meander back to set as various other members of the cast and crew, including your own Florence Beauregard, file in to start the morning. Y'all see Flo filing in for work. I think at the tail end of everybody else coming into work, I think Flo's coming in a little bit late today. And Flo has um, uh, one of those, like, the heat bag pack things on top of her head, you know? 
Like Fl- in an old cartoon with like the yeah. cork in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fluzzy had a, like a cartoon hot water pack on top of her head. And even from across the parking lot, you can see the deep purple bags underneath her eyes. And she's, sh- as she walks into work, shakily dropping two tablets of Alka-Seltzer uh, into a glass of water. Same, Florence. You smell like a bar floor. Ah, uh, stop screaming at me. Um, like talking really softly. Ah, uh, so loud. Stupid cowboy voice. Sorry. Stupid cowboy. I'm sorry. Voice. I like your cowboy voice. I'm just a little, uh, tied, tied one off with Ethan last night. Feeling a little bit, uh, fucked up. Ethan? <laughs> yeah, huh? Who's Ethan? One of those go- uh, goobas we met at the graveyard. Why were you with Ethan and why didn't you tell us you went to go meet up with Ethan? Why are you interrogating me at 7 o'clock in the morning? Uh, why are you wearing that weird hat? Yeah, why are you wearing that weird hat? It's a hot pack. It keeps my head temperature. What? <laughs> <laughs> it, it keeps your head temperature? Listen, both of you quit bullying me. No. I don't have the cognitive capacity for it this morning. It's the only thing I'm good at. And that's... Not entirely true. Oh, thank you. I was fishing for compliments. It is the thing you are best at. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything more to tell us? Or are you what? just going to sit there and squint your eyes and hold your head and look all sad and like about you're about to throw up? Oh, don't say that. <laughs> look, listen, can you just meet me at lunch and we can talk it all over? All right. I should be good by then. I'm going to go sleep in a fur coat in a basement. All right. Uh, I'm put my arms into it and just let it carry me on the rack. All right, well, I guess I'm going to head to set and mean mug Cliff until he comes over so I can punch him in the face. But um, I guess I'll see you all at lunch. You got it. Oh, Rebecca. What a wild, strange journey it's been through this mansion. Yeah, we had a real hard time fighting all of those ghosts, my love. We did. We did. But we've managed to overcome the spirits of the damned that took this house through just one thing. Our love for each other. Oh, give me a break. And Cliff gingerly places a hand on Inga's cheek and her eyes drift close as her heads drift up and they embrace in a beautiful kiss that seems to stop the world around them. Ugh, barf. The cameramen on set pull back from this kiss slowly and finally Landon yells, and cut, print, that was a beautiful. It was awful. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know what you're talking about chemistry. This uh this scene sucked. <laughs> Cliff, Inga, great work. And now I'd like to say something to the group if I may. And uh Landon looks over at Rusty and Gilly and kind of gives them the subtlest meaningful wink. Mm. <laughs> and he says uh I know there's been a lot of turmoil in this production lately. And I just wanted to uh, thank everybody here for their continued hard work despite our setbacks. And in the interest of ensuring that this production move forward without a hitch, I'd like to invite everybody in the cast and crew to a little gathering I'm holding tonight. Uh, Rusty's going to look at Gilly and mouth, everybody? Everybody? Cliff, Inga, 
Obviously, we would love it if the stars would grace us with their presence. And might I also extend an invitation to our fearless leader? And with a sweeping gesture of his arm, Landon directs everyone's attention to the corner of the room where standing silently this whole time has been one Rudolph Myers Brothers hanging out in the shadows, sitting there with his cigar stump stuck in his mouth and his arms crossed across his chest. And Rudolph Myers Brothers, not accustomed or expecting all of the eyes to be on him, just kind of takes one step out of the corner into slightly brighter light, takes the cigar stump out of his mouth and addresses his cast and crew. And he says, uh, well, Mr. Forsyth, I can't say I, uh, expected this little invitation. And he kind of glares at Landon, and you, we see Landon noticeably gulp. But, sure, I wouldn't want to let down all of my fearless employees. You all toil so hard to make my vision a reality. Thank you. So please, Mr. Forsyth, fill us in on all the details of the party. And Landon says, sure, ah, well, I'm gonna have food and drinks. And and Landon just kind of starts like nervously looking back and forth between Rudolph and y'all, like raising his eyebrows at you. And we cut to the entrance to the stairway to the technical department where you all turn to see a very small woman in a very large fur coat with her arms raised at her sides and the ends of the sleeves of the coat hanging off of the ends of her hands because it's much too big for her. And Flo like shuffles out from the doorway and she says, what we will be doing is making contact with the denizens of the other side. There's a lot of like, uh, ooh, 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 excited like hushed (laughs) whispers being passed and forth between various members of the cast and crew. I'm sure you know this already, Mr. Myers Brothers, because you're such a plugged in and hip dude about town. We cut to Rudolph Myers Brothers in his like, even for the time, couple years out of date pinstripe suit. <laughs> but as you well know, seances and other spiritualist bric-a-brac or whatever is very hot and stylish right now. Yeah, we're making a whole picture about it. Rusty's just nodding his head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this potty is gonna be all of the rage as I, phantasmagoric Florence Beauregard, yes, that phantasmagoric Florence Beauregard, lead a seance myself and use my skills given to me by God and all of his friends Yeah, (laughs) we love God. (laughs) To make contact with the denizens of the other world and the uh, appetizers and uh, past hors d'oeuvres and and a band. Uh, Rusty's just looking at Flo. There is. Wally, Wally, it's fine. What incredible venue have you secured for this elaborate ceremony, Miss Beauregard? I think Landon said we just do it at his place. Landon, we're just going to do it at your place, right? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Sure. He's like tugging at his neckerchief. I mean, you invited everybody. Like, this is your party. I just, I'm just coming to help you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that is what we said, isn't it? Okay. 
We're having it. We're gonna talk to dead people at my house. Oi. <laughs> Tonight, be there or be square. Oh, that's pretty cool. Did you just come up with that? Uh, you know I did. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Cliff, Inga, you're not gonna let your cast and crew down, are you? And Cliff and Inga take each other's hands and share a meaningful glance with each other. And Cliff says, um, well, of course not. Yes. Obviously, I'm very grateful to you all for uh, accepting my wife's return with such open arms and lack of questions. So, of course, if it's that meaningful to all of you, Inga and I will be there tonight. I'm sure you'll be the life of the party. (laughs) 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 Gilly's gonna reach over to the craft services and shove a donut in her mouth. (laughs) Flo starts laughing, but then has to throw up a little bit in the middle of it. Oh, man. <laughs> Rusty is... Oh, my God, Florence, are you okay? Oh, it's okay. I kept it in my mouth. Oh, oh, oh mm. Did you swallow it? Yeah, that's what it means. What? what? Oh. It's not gum. I'm not going to just keep it in my mouth. Rusty's trying to avoid being, like, uh, confrontational or having, like, this aggressive stance or anything just because of what happened the other day and because he knows he is uh, uh, could snap at any moment and tear apart everybody and murder them and then become a vampire so he is trying to play it cool and uh, act like he's not going to fucking sucker punch Cliff later. So for now, how about we all take a 10 and then we'll get back to work with the knowledge that we're all going to be partying down later. Yeah! Love to party! All right, everybody, take a break. And after dispersing the crowd, Landon approaches you, Rusty, and you, Gilly. And he says, uh, so, how do you think it went? Rusty puts his hand on the back of Landon's neck and gives it a little squeeze and says, yeah. good work. Good work. Thank you. That was oddly menacing for a compliment. Well, I just need you to know that I can snap your body in half at any fucking moment. Whoa, listen, I don't feel like there's any need for threats. I held up my end of the bargain. We're having it at my freaking house. That wasn't even part of my plan. I was just going to kick it over to y'all. I got a list here of all the stuff you're going to need. You're going to need a lot of candles, red paint, dark red, parchment, (laughs) preferably rolled parchment paper. Uh, I'm going to need sage, mugwort, and at least three different kinds of vaguely human-esque mushrooms. Hmm. Well, except for the mushrooms, I think I got all that covered. Terrific. Uh, (laughs) Now let's talk past apps, entrees, uh, and cocktail options. Do I have to be involved in that? I'm already lending out my house. It's called a hosting. I don't know. Listen, I think it would be best if we had a professional come in with the food and the entertainment, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Who knows what Landon will come up with. Rusty is so caught up on the like the potty planning aspect of this. <laughs> There's a lot you don't know it's about It's good me. thinking. We got to sell our cover exactly. so that if anything goes wrong, we've got plausible deniability. What could go wrong? Uh, I don't know. Freaking ghosts are real and stuff. You're doing a seance. What if a ghost eats my head? If anyone's going to eat your head, it'll probably be the cowboy. Yeah, me. uh, Sorry, Russell. What does that mean? Well, mm, I'll tell you in a couple days. Flo (laughs) takes Landon's hand in her hands, which are still inside of the sleeves of this big coat. (laughs) Ooh, so soft. And she says, Landon, my good friend Uh and professional equal. Sure. I want you to know that no matter what happens at this party to you, I don't care. 
and it will not affect our plan. Yeah, and uh, we'll still shoot the movie without you, so... I don't care about that either. I'm going to be the director if you die. So. Rusty's going <laughs> to... Does if you die, Rusty's going to direct the movie. Does that mean I get my roll back? Yeah, actually, can you put that in your will? Right? Can you just write a little will that if you die tonight, Rusty Rattlesnake can be the director and Gilly will get the lead and Cliff will be fired. And Mr. Myers Brothers will owe us a lot of money. Number one, I got no control. <laughs> I can't put in my will that someone else is going to give you money. <laughs> number two. <laughs> number two, I was barely able to help you guys keep any job here at all. Clearly, I do not have the power to recast a role, especially after I'm dead and no longer directing the movie. And third, you're not making me feel very secure about my safety at this event I'm throwing in my home Landon. for you. Landon, I... We talked about this yesterday. You're not going to feel safe, my friend. We know where you live. And We're you, about to be there. You're about to be there, I'm going to go through your underpants drawer. Yeah. And we told you, like... We're trying to blackmail the studio. You know, I really thought that after I, I came out here no. with, like, this whole plan mm -mm. to help y'all out that I would get, like, a pat on the back or an attaboy, and I'm just getting Rusty gave you a threats. pat on the back a minute ago. I, I literally put well, my hand on your neck. he threatening neck grab. <laughs> it was a massage. Quite the same thing. I am not relaxed. <laughs> sounds like a tomato-tomato situation to me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a personal problem to me and not a rusty rattlesnake problem. So just let you know, you still owe us. So I want you to move forward with that mentality. Ah, jeez. You will owe us until we are paid. Paid, literally. Yes. Yeah, with Don't money. Forget. With money. Or jewels or gold. <laughs> Any kind of valuables. <laughs> you want my watch? He starts to take off his watch. Yeah, I want your watch. You, am I no longer <laughs> in <your laughs> Give me your watch. <laughs> Rusty snatches the okay, watch. Hey, take my freaking watch, Jesus. What else do you have? <laughs> I don't know. Rusty, 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 are you feeling okay? I'm fine. Can I have your balloon pants? <laughs> balloon? <laughs> you know those like pants at the... Hey, Rusty, Rusty, Rusty take a deep breath. I'm sorry. I'm just... Count to ten. I'm just ready Landon's for... Landon's like noticeably sweaty <laughs> and just like his, his, his whole body language has become like really... Like sorry. nervous and like, like, like he's curled into himself a little bit. Jesus! Sorry, Landon. You don't you you don't know the power and the uh, anger I possess. And uh, I guess not. <laughs> no. I'm learning. You are, and you're going to learn more. Listen, I guess I'm gonna head home for the day and uh, start setting up my house for having all these freaking people in it. Make, um, it, make it cute, please. <laughs> sure. Sure. Again, it doesn't seem like the party is our main goal here, but I I, I get it. I get it. We need a cover. Miss Beauregard, I will fetch those weird frickin' mushrooms for you. I will arrive early so that I can make sure everything is immaculate for tonight. Yeah. And I will arrive. Sure, Gilly sure. will arrive. We will be there. Okay. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah. So mm. I'm gonna head home. Hopefully we just make it through tonight or the, make it through the rest of the day without any further strange incidences. I hope you make it through tonight, too. We'll see you. We'll see you later at uh, at your address of the house that you live in <laughs> with your family. So. <laughs> Gilly's gonna put her arm around Rusty's shoulder and just walk away. <laughs> Rusty, you really have a way with words. And we see our camera slow to a crawl, 
as time begins to stretch out, our three protagonists exchanging satisfied glances, happy at the plan they've made going forward. And we linger for a moment in this moment between them of pride, joy, and anticipation. But this moment is broken abruptly by the sound of a gunshot. The cast and crew, all still milling about on their brakes, erupt into terrified yelps and starts as everyone's attention turns towards the entrance to the studio. Standing there, backlit by the bright California sun, is a pale, haggard, miserable-looking oh, no. Mary Beth Summers no. with a Colt 45 in her hand raised to the sky, smoke pouring out of the barrel. And she says, Somebody, right now, tell me where Florence Beauregard is. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria was edited by James Kettler and produced by Philip Stressman with additional sounds provided by Zapsplat.com Monster of the Week Tabletop RPG was written and created by Michael Sands Join us again next week for more Phantasmagoria and until then be chill and stay dangerous.